scriptures for a few minutes, and then we're going to spend a little more time in prayer. Last week and a couple weeks before that, we had been talking about the Jesus' introduction to the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> and leading into this, Jesus had said in John 14, let's look back over there as we get started this morning, John 14, um, Josiah, could you find my phone and bring it up here to me, please? In John 14 and verse number, thank you, in verse number 12, let's start there. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. <clears throat> if ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. If ye love me, keep my commandments. So as Jesus talks about these greater works, you're going to do what I've done and even greater. We talked about the miracles. We talked about these being... Um, Last week, I think, is when we talked about the scope of Jesus' works. We talked about the ge geographical area that Jesus' ministry covered. Jesus' ministry covered how tiny it was compared to, say, that the ministry of Paul. Um, the ministry of John went far further, much further. He wasn't, his ministry wasn't even as broad as Paul's, um, yet it went further. But there's another aspect of Jesus' works that I think we should consider here, and that are, that's the verses that lead into this, and the fact that he did nothing of himself. Jesus was never working in independence of the Father. He never worked in independence of the Holy Spirit. He was always working in unity, thank you, with the Father and with the Spirit. And when we take a, trying to figure out how to say this, when we take the wrong approach to this, we just get all excited about the works. And it's like I saw someone post this week on Instagram, they quoted this verse and gave some of the Greek beside it. It was the longest, most information-filled story I'd ever seen. I had to hold my finger there for a while to read the whole thing. And then he got to the end of that and said, we can do the same works Jesus did. We can do even better. So you need to start telling those symptoms to go away. So they started telling us how to pray, to bind the symptoms. I think the context was COVID. If you get COVID, you just simply tell the symptoms to go away and they will leave. Because Jesus went to the scripture, Jesus, um, Jesus going to Peter's mother-in-law's house and casting the sickness out. So that's what we need to do. But if we are in line with the Father and the Spirit and whatever the deal is, even if it's COVID, and we're looking for his direction and his way and what he's wanting to do in our lives, our works may be a little different than just looking at this verse and going, oh, yippee, yay, I can do whatever Jesus did. Anything he can do, I can do better. That's the philosophy of that Instagram post this week, that somehow or another, we have the ability to improve on what Jesus did. 
What I'm trying to say is we need to be in harmony with the Lord when we pray, when we are trying to do these greater works. And I think the first greater work that we see here is prayer. I had listed it in the outline last week as powerful prayer. The Holy Spirit enables powerful prayer. But how does this happen? I want us to look at some of the other verses here that, has to, that have to do with prayer in Jesus' teaching as he's giving his final instructions to the disciples. We talked about this a little bit a couple weeks ago. In verse 13 here, we read a moment ago, whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do that the Father may be glorified. If ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. We've got to understand that praying in God's name, it's not just a magical formula that gets added to the end. It's not magic words. I remember as a little kid seeing some cartoon where they were talking about these magic words. You say these particular words and anything would happen. Well, I remember as a kid going outside thinking, boy, that would sure be fun if that was true. And so going outside and trying to say these magic words and make things happen that I wanted to happen. Well, none of the things happened that I tried to make happen. And I think there's often disillusionment in prayer when people start praying and using Jesus' name as a tag at the end to make things happen. And then all of a sudden they say, well, why doesn't Jesus answer my prayer? All of a sudden doubt starts settling in. Well, the scriptures must not be true. Well, God must not be real. Why? Because I have, I've got this list of prayers I've prayed and God never answered them. And I even prayed in Jesus' name. But what does that mean? Does that just simply mean we end the prayer in Jesus' name, amen? We've come to an idea in the 21st century and that, that that's what that means. Yet praying in the will of God, I would say, or praying in the name of Jesus, I would say depicts two things specifically, at least. And I think there's more to this, but this is what I have written down for today. Number one is we're praying as his representative. There have been times that, um, okay, when we first came on staff here five years ago, it was often Elder Slichter who got the job of telling me what the elders had decided about something that involved me. And what was the funniest part to me was watching him, watching the look on his face. You know, you knew whether the answer went the way I wanted it to or not, depending on how Brother Slichter's face looked. And at first, he kept coming back to me with this look on his face, like he didn't want to have to talk to me type of look. And I knew when I saw that look on his face that, oh, that didn't care. And somehow or another, that actually made it kind of fun that I didn't get what I was asking for because watching Brother Schlichter's face was so worth it. Anyway, he, I remember him coming up to me one the first time he had really good news. And I don't even remember what the news was. He was so excited, but he tried to act like, he was so serious, but he really couldn't hide it behind that serious face. And then he tells me, I've got good news today. And whatever it was, he was really excited about that good news. He was the representative. It was his job not to tell me what he thought, but to tell me what this is what the body decided. This is what has been decided. He was coming in the name of a representative from a country. It is that representative's job to go and say, this is what, say, you work for the president. This is what the president said. 
You are his representative. You are not speaking on your behalf. You're not giving your opinion or your commentary on the subject. You're saying this is what he says. I'm praying as his representative. And when we see things that way, we have to recognize, okay, I am God's representative as I pray, or rather Jesus' representative. When I pray, I am representing him. How would Jesus pray? And there have been times where I've pray, I have been praying, and I, I've realized that this is not how Jesus would pray. My prayer has to change. He says that he will answer my prayer when I'm praying in accordance to his will. Part of that is realizing that I'm his representative. Secondly, praying in his name, it's what I keep slipping up and saying instead of in his name, is according to his will. Because if I am truly his representative, I'm truly praying in his name, I'm going to be praying in accordance to his will. Look at 1 John 5. I used the example of the COVID post I saw this week. Because when I had COVID back, whenever that was, I had COVID, and was sick for two weeks. And then we had kids sick after that, so we were in quarantine a little longer. But during that time, it was such a good time of revival for me personally. As I would be sick and in bed and then finally feeling well enough to read, and I'd get up and I'd spend time in the Word, spend time with the Lord, spend time reading. I read two books on um, preaching by one by a really old preacher, lived a long time ago, um, Anyway, there were a number of things I read, spending time in the scriptures. It was such a time of personal revival for me. I could say with the psalmist, it was good for me that I've been afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes. Affliction was a good time. It was a good time for me to have to stop, not go anywhere, not have anything to do except spend time with God and get better. So had on day one, I decided, well, I'm going to cast this out and, I'm gonna, and then spend the next two weeks pretending I wasn't sick because I have had the power and I have cast the sickness out. Um, it, it's amazing how you can talk to somebody who either has these magical powers to make sickness go away all the time, like normal, common, cold, how they are never sick, you know, and they're staring at it with snot running down their face. I am not sick. I have cast the demon out. Or, you know, I have used this oil, and so I don't get colds. I don't get colds at all. And you're just like, what is that coming down? We have to pretend it's not there. Because... Anyway, I remember as a teenager when I started noticing this phenomenon that people who did certain health things never got sick, but it was entertaining watching them pretend they weren't sick. But I think they really believed they weren't. And people with these faith healing powers have a tendency to be the same way. Oh, I'm not sick. I'm not doing this. So there's this whole denial. But when we start realizing, okay, you know what? I am sick. I am frail. I am a human. Oh, guess what? I need God. I need his presence in my life. I need his strength in my life. Rather than walking around and marching around in denial and in prideful arrogance, pretending that we don't need him because we're saved and we have these magical abilities to make all these things go away because Jesus would never want me to be uncomfortable. 
Well, Jesus hasn't kept me comfortable my whole life, I can tell you that. 1 John 5, verse 14. John says, and this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he hear us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desire of him. I had a lady one time call me and tell me she was praying for me. She told me what she was praying for. And I really, the Lord had just showed me that that was not what God was going to do in my life. I'm on the phone with the lady and I had to tell her, no, ma'am, that is not true. That is contrary to God's will. That conversation ended pretty quick. And a few minutes later, the phone rang again. Aaron, I am so sorry. I see what you're saying. I, I, I won't pray that way anymore. Why? Because I, God had already showed me what his will for my life was in that particular situation. Well, this person had a completely different idea about what God's will would be for my life. So she called, told me what God's will for, was for my life, how she was praying. And when the phone, when she hung up, my stomach just sunk. Have I offended this woman greatly? Like, will, I, will she ever speak to me again? And the real test of her walk with God came when the phone rang again a few minutes later. I can still remember, I was sitting in a Chick-fil-A in, in Covington, Louisiana, and my phone rang again. And I thought, oh no, <laughs> she must be mad calling to really ball me out now. And I picked it up, and there's this humble woman on the other end of the line. You're right. I see. This is God's will. And she began to pray accordingly. We have to have a humble heart if we're going to be able to pray according to God's will because God's will will not always line up with our will. I was praying for Keith Daniel. I wanted one thing. I wanted him to live. I wanted to see him again. I wanted to talk to him again. Last time he was here, he gave me so much personal encouragement. And I wanted to see him again. But as I was praying and praying for his healing, as I shared last week, that last day he was alive, the Holy Spirit prompted me to change my praying and praying, Lord, be glorified through your servant. So if that means that he lives, that will be miraculous. And God will be glorified. Or, if he dies, Lord, I know that you know how to get glory. I saw people get saved when my sister died. So praying according in his name is recognizing I am his representative. I should be in line with his will. It's praying according to his will. And we don't always know what his will is. That's why we need the Holy Spirit in prayer. And sometimes you're praying, and if you're really open to the Lord and really wanting his best as you're praying specifically for something exactly as you want it, all of a sudden there's this still small voice in your heart saying, no, that's not my will, pray this way. And you find yourself praying differently. In 1 John chapter 5, he continued with that, and he talked about people who had committed a sin unto death, and he talked about not praying. For, I don't remember exactly how he worded it there, but they're committed to sin and death. You're not praying that they stay alive. God's ready to take them to heaven. I, I shared a couple weeks ago that Laura had a friend that was that way. Laura began to pray for her healing, and the Holy Spirit said, don't pray for her healing, 
pray for her to be prepared for eternity. And Laura started praying that, and a few minutes later, her friend died. Why? Because it was God's will that this girl be taken to heaven right then. I've had two friends that when they went to glory, it was definitely their time. I mean, I don't mean they're the only two people that died at the right time. <laughs> what I mean is, I've known of two people that I really believe had committed a sin unto death. That God said, you've gone too far. In one instance, it was standing up against church authority and causing severe church problems and all of a sudden, one day, they were just found dead. My dad had a church he was pastoring in Mississippi. He had preached about, um, there was a woman who taught the adult Sunday school, like this Sunday school class, for the men and the women. And my dad had taught that if a woman was not to teach or usurp authority over a man in the church. So she should be teaching a ladies Sunday school class, not the men's and women's Sunday school class. Anyway, there were some problems my dad ended up having to leave the church. Anyway, the week that she stood up against the pastor that she should be teaching that men's and women's high school class, they found her dead on her front porch in a rocking chair. Just out of nowhere, the woman just dropped dead. My dad said, I, I, you know, that's a fearful thing when you realize. And it's not a judgmental thing when the Holy Spirit says, I took this person to glory because they had crossed a line. We need to realize any of us could do that. But praying according to the will of God, when the Holy Spirit begins to show us something on how we should pray, we change and we let go of what our will is for the will of God. A second aspect of prayer here is back in uh, John 14 and verse number um, 13, and whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. So when you're praying, you should ask yourself, is, am I really praying as God's representative? Am I really praying in his will? Am I truly seeking God's glory? Am I truly seeking Christ's glory? There are things that we pray for, and we even say, God, I want this for your glory. But we know deep down in our heart that we want God's glory because it'll make us look good. Anybody else ever been there? I've been there. You're praying something, you're praying it so hard, and then you realize, oh, I'm just, I'm just seeking this for myself. You know, you go out and witness to somebody, you get up and you teach a Sunday school class, you preach a sermon, you can start praying, oh God, I want you to get glory. And you know that the whole congregation, if God gets glory, you're going to look good. Well, what have I done if I pray that way? I have just entered to praying in the flesh. The most likely thing that's going to happen that day is I am going to fall flat on my face, and it's not going to be good. Why? Because I wasn't truly seeking God's glory. I remember sitting at the piano one time for a recital. I had done my senior recital the week before, had a lot of music I had played by memory. And I mean, it was spot on. I, I messed up at one little spot on a really simple song. It was really dumb. But um, other than that, it was spot on. A couple weeks later was my teacher's recital, and it was my last year with her in high school, and so she wanted me to play, perform the big piece, the really long piece that I had the whole thing by memory. 
And so I get up to play it, and I, I mean, it's this big, bombastic introduction. It's a, an arrangement by Dino Karsanakis. So those of you who know the guy, uh, it's going to be all over the place. Really fancy, right? Really showy. And so I begin the piece, and I made it through the introduction. And then the first line was from Tchaikovsky's Piano Concerto Number no. 2. Bum, 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 bum. Well, I played it. Bum, 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 bum. I mean, the ugliest chord you ever heard. I'm like, that's not right. I decided to try it in a different key. Maybe I was playing it in the wrong key. I wasn't sure. So I tried it in a different key. Dun, 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 da. That one didn't work either. Dun, 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 da. I looked down at my teacher. She said, just start over. I started over. A big, bombastic introduction. And then the first classical theme comes. Dun, 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 da. I'm sitting there going, Lord, I don't, I'm complete utter blank. I looked down at my teacher. She has my book, and she won't bring it to me. <laughs> anyway, finally, finally, she must have run up on the stage. I don't remember. I sort of, I, I blocked this part out. As my memory suppressed. I probably need a counselor. And so I look, and I'm like, oh, that's the, oh, those are the notes. And I still remember. F, D. Anyway, um, I, I remember now. But I start playing the piece. Everything else was perfect. Made it through all those pages of music. I sat down in my seat, and my mom said, what was wrong? I, said, I don't know. Well, my mom was one that if she, if she could tell I was lifted up in pride at the piano, she would pray I would mess up. There have been plenty of times I sat down, and my mom said, you were being prideful, weren't you? Yes, ma'am. Well, I prayed you'd mess up. Thanks. Um, so I, said, I looked at her, and I said, I wasn't being prideful or anything. I was so confused. I had prayed before that God would be glorified. I'm like, Lord, you just made a major mess out of that. Well, afterwards, a friend came up to me, and he said, Aaron, he said, I am so glad you messed up today. Like, why? He said, because you and Miss Carol, that's our teacher, he said, y'all always play perfectly, and I feel so inadequate. But today, you messed up. I'm like, oh, God was glorified. He was glorified through my major disaster. All those keys I tried for that song. God was being glorified as a friend sat there who felt very insignificant, very inferior, and he sat there watching and he went, oh, he makes mistakes too. Oh, okay, it's, it's fine if I get up and make a mistake and he gets up and did a great job. God was being glorified in someone else's life. Realized, as he realized, this isn't about Aaron. Aaron makes mistakes. My teacher makes mistakes. God, when we're truly in line with God's will, we'll realize that sometimes God is glorified when we're not. When we're humbled, God is glorified. So as we pray, we should be seeking one thing, and that's the glory of God. So in the midst of prayer, we realize there's sin involved. We realize we're praying according to our will and not God's will. We're praying because we want to look good and not God. We're demanding our way. It's time to confess that is sin and change the direction of our prayers. When I called my brother and told him that Pastor Hubby had called and asked for us to come to Houston, um, my brother was excited, but um, he began to pray at the end of our conversation. And I noticed his direction in prayer change halfway through his prayer. 
he started praying, God, give them direction, help them to know what to do. If they're supposed to go to Houston, Lord, I pray that you would help them to know. And so he's praying, he's praying for me, he's praying for the church, he's praying for direction. And about halfway through the prayer, I realized God told him that we were supposed to move here because he quit praying that way. And he said, and so Lord, when they move, and Lord, when they move and prepare the hearts of the kids. And all of a sudden, halfway through the prayer, his direction in prayer changed. Why? Because he heard from God in the midst of prayer. And so the direction prayed. When we're praying and we truly want God's will, we truly want God to get glory, when we start hearing from God, it will change the direction of our prayer. Number three thing we see here is we should be praying according to his word. Look at John 15 and verse number seven. If ye abide in me and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. So not only should we pray in his name in accordance to his will, we should pray according to his word. Look at uh, 1 John chapter three. John deals with this subject as well. 1 John chapter three. And verse 22, and whatsoever ye, uh, sorry, and whatsoever we ask, he's just been talking about fellowship with one another, whatsoever we ask, we receive of him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. And this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. And he that keepeth his commandments dwelleth in him and he in him. And hereby we know that he abideth in us by the spirit which he hath given us. So as we pray, we need to pray in accordance to his word. Look back at Numbers chapter 15. Numbers 15, powerful passage of scripture. The children of Israel had just gone through the experience, um, as Moses is recording it here, they had just had to stone a man because he had gathered sticks on the Sabbath day. That seems like a really harsh story. The guy's gathering sticks. It doesn't tell us why. His motivation may have been good. I don't know why he didn't gather those sticks on Friday. He should have. But he didn't. He gathered them on the Sabbath day. He was caught. They brought it before Moses. Moses asked God what to do. They take him outside the city. They stone him. It seems harsh. It seems in our minds unreasonable. But God had just given his law. And already they're defying it. And so God said, okay, we're going to deal with this drastically here. This man's going to be executed. And as you begin reading in verse 37 of chapter 15, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and bid them that they make them fringes in the border of their garments through their generations, and that they put upon the fringe of the borders a ribbon of blue. So they were to put this ribbon of blue on the fringe of the borders of their garment. Look why. 39. And it shall be unto you for a fringe, that ye may look upon it, And remember, remember what? All the commandments of the Lord and do them. It's not enough just to remember them. We're supposed to do them. Then look what he said. And that ye seek not after your own heart, 
and your own eyes, after which he used to go a-whoring. He said, you went out like to strangers in the night. He said, you went after your own hearts. You went after your own eyes. When people give you the advice, follow your own heart. Recognize that is worldly advice. That is ungodly advice. And while there are men of the scriptures that will tell you that, I had a friend who was praying about a girl and praying about getting married, and he said, I got this counsel from a man whose name many of you would know. He said, I called this preacher, and that they were, they were close friends. He said, I called him and asked him, what should I do about this? You know, like, is, how do I know for sure she's the right one? He said, just follow your heart. This man was a Christian counselor. Like, he wrote books. Like, dealt with spiritual warfare a lot. And he tells a young preacher, just follow your heart. Numbers 15, he said, you are whoring if you follow your own heart. What an image. When we follow our own heart, we are going against the ways of God. Now, look here. Then he says in verse 40, that ye may remember and do all my commandments and be holy unto your God. I'm going to draw these words right here. Okay, for commandments, I'm going to put word, the word of God, all of his words. And then over here, I'm going to put holiness. And it's interesting that he, he puts two, two things that seem to me to be in contrast with one another. Notice first he says, you don't follow your heart or what's right in your own eyes. And then he said, I don't want you to do this. I want you to follow all my, remember all my commands and be holy to your God. I really think if we looked at these verses and really studied them out, we find that when we follow our heart, our heart is pretty much always going to be in contradiction to the word of God. I challenge you, go on something like Blue Letter Bible and just put in the word heart and then follow through and read all the verses about the heart. The heart is desperately wicked. We have wicked hearts. You say, well, but I'm saved. My heart's been washed in the blood of the lamb. Yes, but your heart still keeps trying to beat to the rhythm of the devil and to the flesh and to our carnal nature. But our heart needs to be put in line with the word of God. And so I, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. The word of God has to saturate our heart, has to change our heart. Now, when we take this and we put it into the consideration of prayer, we don't pray according to my heart. My heart has all these things that I want. My heart has all these things that I lust after. I'm going to start praying for meat when God wants to give me manna. And then God may actually give me the desire of my heart and bring leanness to my soul. Why? Because God said, okay, you want it, I'm going to give it to you. And by the end, you're not going to want it. You're going to want me again. So our heart has to be in line with the word of God. And then he talks about holiness. If we do that which is right in our own eyes, we're not going to live out biblical holiness. And I think it's significant that this end, this comes at the end of this story about this man being stoned for gathering sticks on the Sabbath day. Because our heart would not want to go stone a man for gathering sticks. 
I mean, the man may have been gathering sticks so that he could build a fire for his wife to cook food for his kids. We don't know what the guy's motivation was for disobeying God. The point is, he disobeyed God. What's right in our own eyes? Go read the book of Judges. Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. That's a scary time in which for a nation to be. It's a scary place for a Christian to be when we do what is right in our own eyes, when we give ourselves over to philosophy, when we give ourselves over to man's ways, to man's ideology. And when we come to prayer, we cannot be lining ourselves with our heart and with our, what's right in our eyes. We need to be seeking God's will. We need to be seeking God's way. One more verse I want to look at, Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 and verse 26. There's a lot about the Holy Spirit here in Romans chapter 8. But in verse 26, he says, Likewise the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought. You ever have a situation like that? You just don't know how to pray. He said, but the Spirit itself maketh intercessions for us. Intercession, that's to pray for. The Holy Spirit starts praying for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now, I know that this is taken by some today and say, see, you need a heavenly prayer language. There's words that can't be uttered. And so the Holy Spirit starts showing you how to pray. And so you get this heavenly prayer language and you start speaking in tongues. Well, first of all, we saw last week what tongues was for. And this wasn't it. But then we get trained by somebody on how to have this heavenly gift and speak in this prayer language But look what he said. He said, the Holy Spirit prays with words that cannot. It's not possible for those words to be uttered. Now, if you can learn a prayer language to where you can start uttering these words, which cannot be uttered, you see what I'm saying? It's not possible to utter them. Oh, but if you go to the right church and have the right teacher, you can start uttering them. You get the Holy Ghost, and all of a sudden you start, like in that prayer meeting I mentioned last week where we were praying to end abortion and all of a sudden people started speaking in tongues. They said, duh, over and over and over, duh, 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 really fast. And anyway, they were speaking a prayer language, they supposed. But if you look over, I believe it's Titus that said, um, God, uh, for it is impossible for God, to, God who cannot lie. It's the same Greek word. So if you can twist this one to say that you can start praying this heavenly prayer language that only the Holy Spirit prays, well, then we could twist and say that God can lie. Because if we can pray this prayer, God can tell a lie. Well, it's impossible for God to lie. Amen? God cannot sin. It is against his very nature. And there are some things that you and I just don't know how to pray. And when we get to that point where it is impossible for us, we can recognize, we need to recognize and understand that the Holy Spirit takes over. And he prays for us. Let me read it again. 
We know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercessions for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. See the context of that precious promise there? God wants us, he wants to answer our prayers. But Jesus said, if you really want your prayers answered, he said, you pray as my representative. Pray according to my will. You pray in such a way that the Father would be able to be glorified by this answer, that I would be glorified by your answer. Pray according to the word of God. And then I would add a fourth thing here because Paul's teaching was based on the teachings of Jesus. And that would be that when we don't know how to pray, we ask the Holy Spirit. I mean, he already does it. But when we start recognizing it, and I verbalize it, there is so much comfort and peace and power when I just tell the Lord, Lord, I don't know how to pray. Holy Spirit, I don't know what to say to the Father. I don't know the mind of Christ today. I'm just somehow or another alienated from it in this, in, in this instant. I don't know how to pray. And for me, what often happens is the Holy Spirit changes my prayer right in the middle like my brother praying about whether we're supposed to move to Texas or not, right in the middle of the prayer, the Holy Spirit says, this is how you are to pray. So this week, as we seek to pray and as we seek to walk with God, let's try to remember this teaching that Jesus gave us about prayer and recognize in all of it that we need the presence of the Holy Spirit speaking to us, giving us direction to help us know the the will of God. As we look at, study more of these things in John 14, 15, and 16, we see that the Holy Spirit is our teacher. He shows us truth. He enlightens the truth of scriptures. So it's by the Holy Spirit that we're able to make sure we're in line with the word of God, make sure we're in line with the will of God. So let's keep people in prayer as the Holy Spirit brings people to your heart. Sometimes you don't know how to pray for somebody. Sometimes you feel this strange prompting, and I'm going to share this one thing just because I want you to see that sometimes the promptings that you have don't make a lot, a lot of sense to you. Some people say, oh, it's just an intuition or it's just a whatever. Realize that they're not run, always random thoughts. A preacher friend of mine, I had felt, when, actually it was when I had COVID and was so sick, um, one night I had, I'd had this, I've told y'all stories about my crazy dreams before. Anyway, I was talking to one of his kids. And I woke up the next morning with this huge burden to pray for this little boy. And as the day went on, I just kept thinking about this little boy. I couldn't even remember his name. And I just kept being burdened to pray for him. So I kept praying for the kid throughout the day. And the Lord just kept prompting me to pray for his heart. His heart. And I felt like the Lord was saying, you know, like his spiritual heart. And I was praying for his heart and for his heart to be right with his dad. 
I just wasn't sure. I just, all I kept just thinking about was his heart. So I began praying for this kid. Anyway, about halfway through the day, I'm like, I really want to know what this kid's name is that I'm praying for. So I texted the dad. I'm like, hey, what's your oldest son's name? And he told me. I'm like, okay, well, I've been praying for him today. He said, thank you. Would you pray for his heart? That his heart would be right. I've been concerned about him lately. Whoa. That's how the Holy Spirit speaks to us. I mean, most of what I was thinking about that day was how rotten I felt. But I kept in the midst of that being reminded of this little boy and praying for his heart. So don't, don't get the idea when somebody comes to your mind that it's random. Don't get the idea, because that just felt random that morning. I mean, the kid just talked my whole dream. That seemed random. It wasn't random. It was the Holy Spirit saying, pray for this kid. This kid's heart needs to get right with me. This kid's heart needs to get right with his dad. It seemed like just ordinary, random thoughts in that day. But it wasn't. It was the Holy Spirit saying, pray for this kid. Pray for this little boy. So when you get those promptings, start recognizing those thoughts as promptings from the Holy Spirit, especially when he's that specific, when your thoughts are that specific on how to pray. As we close today, I want us to pray for Brother, um, Brother Poole, great man of God, great prayer warrior, a man who lifts all of us here up in prayer. And um, it's our turn this week to really be praying for him. Um, leg injuries like that can just be, I mean, it's just God to put those things back together like they need to be and to bring healing to that. There's a lot with his diabetes a lot of other things involved, health issues. So let's pray for him. Dear Heavenly Father, I just come before you now. Lord, we're thinking about our brother, Lord, who needs your healing touch. Lord, I think of all the times he's told me he was praying for me. He's been such a prayer warrior for our pastors and for this church. And Lord, I just pray that you would bless him today. Lord, we do pray that you would um, use him in the situation he is there in the hospital. Lord, we don't understand all of these circumstances uh, that you've allowed here, but we know nothing, absolutely nothing at all, slips through your fingers without your approval. And Lord, we just thank you for giving him life and preserving his life. Lord, we just pray, Lord, that you would touch him, that you would make him a testimony in that hospital of your hand, of your word, of your ways. Lord, we pray that you would bring healing to him. Lord, that you would just put his life back together. And Lord, that you would ease his pain. And Lord, I pray through all of it, you would just give him the peace and the grace be a witness and a testimony to the nurses. And um, Lord, um, the assistants, the people who come in to take care of him, and um, Lord, the ones who come in even doing things like helping him brush his teeth, Lord, that he would just be able to be a witness and a testimony to them. And Lord, that he would bring great glory to your side through this trial. Lord, we recognize your sovereignty. We recognize your hand. Lord, whatever you choose to do, Lord, we will glorify you and we'll be thankful to you. Lord, I pray that you would bless Miss Carolyn, that you would just give her peace. 
and give her your grace. And Lord, just um, we thank you for the testimony that she is of a godly wife that loves you and loves her husband and stands with him during difficult times. Lord, I just pray that you would give her grace this week. And Lord, that you would um, just a supernatural strength and ability and energy to face all the trials and all the stresses that she'll be facing this week. In Christ's name we pray.